0: Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. here today. You know, it begs the question, right? Why Mother's Day? Why do we do this? Um, I, I want to give you a little bit of context for why this is such an important day, why we do this. It's really not that old of a practice. Uh, it started in the late 1800s. A woman named uh, Anna, uh, Anna Marie Jarvis heard her mother praying that she hoped that one day there would be a day that would, that would be designated to celebrate motherhood and all that motherhood represents. Anna's mother died, and after she died, Anna gathered her people at her church, and they did a whole celebration of motherhood not just her mother but all mothers and so this became a tradition and over time Anna decided to pursue this national holiday of Mother's Day and so she pushed and pushed and by 1914 uh, President Wilson made the national day Mother's Day that we celebrate today and did you know, maybe you didn't know this, but it was uh, Anna who came up with the idea of the flowers from others, particularly carnations, and I thought it was fascinating when I studied this that um, she chose white carnations at first because they represented purity, but also she chose carnations because it's a flower that does not lose its petals, rather the petals as the flower dies go inward towards the flower we isn't that a beautiful picture of motherhood that we never let go of our children, right? That our love for our children is, is just forever and all the way to our death. And so that beautiful picture of the flowers. That's why we celebrate nationally uh, Mother's Day. Now it's become somewhat commercialized, right? And maybe the flower shops and Hallmark are doing really good because of it. But it's still an important thing to do. You know why? Because it's biblical. You see, scripture commands us to honor our mothers and our fathers. So a month from now, guys, we will celebrate you. Uh, but today, we're going to honor our moms as the scripture calls us. Exodus 20 uh, gives us the command. Listen to this. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Which is quite amazing. Out of the Ten Commandments, it's the one commandment that has a promise. Honor your father and your mother and you will be blessed. And so that's one of the things we wanted to do today. We want to honor moms. Now, I know a day like this, uh, many of you are excited and you're celebrating for, for what this day represents, uh, the fun that you're going to have together with your moms. Uh, or, or for some of us, it may not be so good. It may, I believe there's people here who are probably struggling. Many people who for, for this day becomes actually a source of pain, maybe because they lost a child. Maybe because they lost their mom. Maybe because they cannot have children. I have dear friends who have tried everything to have children, and they can't seem to be able to. And they've gone through the adoption process, and it's incredibly difficult to go through that. And so for those moms, this could be a very challenging day. They, too, want to celebrate this day with their own children, but they can't. For some, you might be thinking of a relationship with your mom that wasn't that good. So perhaps that's you, your, your relationship with your mom was a painful one, so you're not really in the mood to celebrate Mother's Day today. So I want to acknowledge that we're all in different places today, right? You have people who are celebrating, who are joyful, and there's lots of reasons to celebrate mothers. And you have people who are suffering. And in this tension between those two, we want to just ask God to be the one who guides us and speaks to us this morning. I wish and I've been praying for God to speak to each and every one of us uniquely in what we need to hear this Mother's Day. And so as we as we begin this service, I want to start by celebrating the moms that are here. If you're a mom, a grandmother, great-grandmother, if you're a stepmom, if you're an adoptive mom, if you're a mother-like figure to children, would you please stand up so that we can celebrate you first? Thank you. Thank you. Now let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the ministry of motherhood. We thank you for these moms, oh, for all the sacrifice, for all that they give their children, all that they pour into generation after generation. Lord, I also pray for those here who um, may not be having a celebratory kind of Mother's Day. That for whatever reason, this day brings pain. And sometimes we as the church have not done a good job of loving and embracing them. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be the comforter. You would be the encourager. That you would, you would pour your love upon every heart in such a way that each person feels absolutely loved by you. We thank you, Father, for your presence. You be our teacher and our guide this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, you've heard uh, the statement, out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, it comes with the concept that if something isn't before you, you don't think it exists. Welcome, welcome. I think the main sanctuary is getting full, so thank you for coming. That You, you think it's not, it doesn't exist if I don't see it. Pretty soon, you just simply forget about it. Did you know that we are born with this? That infants, when they're first born, they don't necessarily have a sense of of the permanence of things. So mom may show up and baby sees mom and then mom leaves the room and infants literally forget that mom existed. That happens to babies. But as the babies grow and develop, they start to develop the awareness that mom exists, not only exists, but exists even if they don't hear or touch, or feel mom. And this process of developing an awareness of the permanence of mom, or dad, or anybody else, or any object, even their rattles, is called object permanence. Somewhere about eight to ten months old, babies begin to recognize that mom leaves And at first, when they start to get through this process, they believe that mom leaves and she's now gone forever. So you've heard of uh, separation and anxiety, where the babies start to get very fussy and very uncomfortable because mom has left the room or dad has left the room. What we do to help children through that process is we begin to help them understand that mom is still present, even though she may not be in the room. And to do that, believe it or not, we play peekaboo. How many of you have played peekaboo with a baby? You did not know that psychologists say that this is a perfect way to help a child with the anxiety of mom disappearing on them. And it actually begins to teach children object permanence that though mom may not be in the room or dad may not be in the room, they still exist and they will come back. And so I want you to see a picture of a little boy playing peekaboo with his mom, learning this concept of object permanence. Check this out. Hey Preston. Preston. Peek-a-boo. peek a <laughs> No, you don't like that. Okay, here. Nah. Okay. Okay. Now. peek a Okay You want play? Peek-a-boo. Da. Isn't that precious? Just as babies have to learn that though mom may be away from the room, she still exists and that she will come back. Though they may not hear or feel or be able to touch mom, she is still alive and present. I believe we have to learn spiritual object permanence with God. I believe quite often we have to develop an understanding that our Heavenly Father exists, that his character does not change, even if our circumstances change. But we might be in a time in our lives where maybe we don't feel that God sees us, not, we don't see God, we don't hear God, we don't experience him, and yet God exists and his presence never changes. And so as we're going to look at God today, we're going to look at God through the lens of motherhood, it's my desire that we would all have a greater appreciation for the presence of God in our lives at all times. We're going to look at three stories, three women in scripture who are mothers, and we're going to see what we learn about God through them. Because I do believe that mothering reveals the heart of God. Now, I don't mean to diss the fathers. Fathers, too, reveal the heart of God. Why? Because Scripture tells us that we are made in the image of God, male and female, created in this way. Genesis 1.27 tells us, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So every one of us carries with us, bear bear the image of God onto the world, onto each other. And it means that we have characteristics that God has. We are all creative. We create things. We can calculate science and mathematics. And uh, one of the cool things that God does that we also get to do is we name things. And names have meanings. And we're going to see the meanings of names throughout what we're going to read today. And we share this with God. And God often actually describes himself through the lens of motherhood. So I picked three different passages where God uses the ministry of motherhood to describe for us how he feels about us and what his heart is like. So the first one, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15, it says this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Now, as a mom myself, I cannot imagine forgetting a child that is that close to your body in such an intimate position that you would never imagine forgetting them. And God says, could you imagine that? In my mind, I go, no. But then he says, but just in case she would, I never will. So the first thing I want us to remember, this this picture of God's heart through mothering is God sees you. God wants you to know this morning, I see you. I see you. And we're going to see this through a story of of Hagar. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there in Genesis chapter 16. Through this story, we're going to be reminded that God sees us. Now, you know, moms seem to have eyes on the back of their heads, don't they? Or in my mind, uh, I think my mom had before these things were invented, my mom had a hover system of some sort because no matter where I was and what I was doing, she seemed to know exactly what I was doing. Anybody had a mom like that? Like she could see me no matter what. And I remember once I had wanted to go into I was in a drama class and I wanted to go into a, a class where we'd actually filmed a movie. But it had to be after school, and I asked mom for permission, and she said, nope, you come home straight from school, you're not doing that. Well, I thought I knew better. Anybody done that with mom? And I went, I'm going to that class. And so I went, and I, we did the movie, and I came home before mom showed up. I, there was no evidence whatsoever that I was at the beach and that I was filming this movie. And my mom knew. She, she showed look. Took a look look at me and went, you went to that thing, didn't you? I'm like, how did you know? And the thing about it is, that's how moms are. It seems like moms see us no matter what, no matter what's happening. And it blows our minds away. How do they know? See, God sees you. He sees you now. He saw you an hour ago. He knows what's in your mind. He's going to see you after you leave here. God sees you. So let's look at this story of Hagar. Let me tell you who Hagar is. Hagar was an Egyptian slave. She was the slave of Sarah and Abram. Now, Sarah and Abram later were named Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. And God had made a promise to them that they would have a children, a child, and that they would have many descendants. So many descendants, they could not be counted. But the problem was that Abraham and Sarah were older. And so this promise seemed kind of crazy. And not only that, time is passing, and they're not having this baby, and they're starting to think, well, maybe God didn't mean to do this, so we may, maybe we have to do it ourselves. And sure enough, they come up with a plan to have Abraham sleep with Hagar, the slave, so that she would become pregnant, and they would have descendants through her. And so that happens, and sure enough, Hagar becomes pregnant The minute Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah begins to get very resentful of Hagar because Sarah wanted to get pregnant, but she couldn't. And so she starts to mistreat Hagar. Hagar has no choice but to run away. It was so stressful to be harassed on a regular basis, she runs away. She goes out into the desert, now a pregnant woman, and she's in such distress. And this is where we pick up the story where an angel of the Lord appears to her. And here's what he said. Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Sarah feels, Hagar feels seen by God. And so now she has her son and she calls him Ishmael. Later, Sarah does become pregnant and she has her son, Isaac. Well, now that she has her son, she is even more resentful of Hagar. And now they decide to kick Hagar out. Hagar now with her newborn baby is back out in the desert in a desperate place. So again, in this place where she is concerned for a child. Now listen, in this time, if you had a a woman was alone with a child, there would be a very difficult thing to survive. There was no way for provision. Not only that, but she's in the desert. So she is running out of food, running out of water, and she is in such a desperate place. She knows her son is going to die. She can't watch that, so she takes the baby, puts puts the baby under a tree, and sits far away from it because she couldn't bear the thought of watching her child die. In that place of desperation, an angel of the Lord comes again. Listen to what it says in chapter 21. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, "'What is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation.'" Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Both times, God knew where Hagar was. Both times, God knew her situation and he saw her and he ministered to her. That's what God does. However it is, wherever you find yourself today, know God sees you. And here, Hagar is a single mom. Are there any single moms in the house today? Any single moms? Let me see. Would you stand? Can you stand, single moms? Can we bless them? My mom did not get up because it's a little hard for her, but she raised seven kids on her own, too. Yeah. It's hard to be a single mom, right, ladies? It's very hard. You feel so isolated and alone. And you could imagine the pain that Hagar was feeling, being completely on her own to take care of this child. But God sees her. So I don't know what your situation might be, where you might be in a desperate place Well, you might feel alone. Well, you might feel overwhelmed. You don't even know how you're going to be able to take the next step. I want you to know today, God sees you. He knows your pain. He he does not forget you. He doesn't change, and he will not change today or tomorrow. He sees you. The second thing that I want us to remember is that God hears us, which is pretty cool, because... Ishmael, Hagar's son, his name means God hears. So Hagar sees God. She names her son God hears, hears. In fact, anytime you see a Hebrew name that ends with L, L means God. Ishmael, God hears. I hear you. That's what God wants you to know today. Isaiah 66 says this, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Sometimes our pain and our sorrow and our agony is so difficult that we cannot hear the still, small voice of God. Sometimes we're so overwhelmed in hearing our own crying that we cannot hear God, but God hears you. He hears you. He hears your crying. He hears your sorrow. And for that, I want us to look at the example of Hannah. Now, Hannah was a woman who was unable to have any children, she was married to a man called Elkanah, and he had another wife, Penina. And Penina was very fruitful; she was having baby after baby after baby, and she was putting it in Hannah's face. She was constantly upsetting Hannah because she could not have a child. Now we got to understand the challenge for women in that time. That was your sole purpose to be fruitful, to care for your children and for the home. The cultural pressure of not being able to have children was extremely oppressive. And, you know, in a way, I think there is a little bit of that pressure today, isn't there, sisters? Women who don't have children because they can't, or because they don't feel called to do so, they constantly feel the pressure of culture. You would think that would have been gone already, but it's still here today. Now, in fact, I know today you will walk up to people and say, Happy Mother's Day, and you might bump into a woman who says to you, but I'm not a mother. How do we minister to her as well? You see, Hannah was not being ministered to. She was being ridiculed because she could not have children. And so she cries out to God. Now, how many of you, if you've had a situation where you feel like God is not hearing you, you cry out to God, you've been praying for something again and again and again, it's not happening. How many of you admit that you get a little upset with God? Anybody with me? We get a little upset with God. We feel like, okay, God, what's the matter? Aren't you hearing me? What's Where are you? Why, Why aren't you doing this? And we get upset with God, and it would have been reasonable for Hannah to do so. But instead, she goes to the temple, and she pours out her soul to God. She goes there and starts praying, not out loud, but she lip syncs. Essentially, she's talking through her prayers, and she is so passionate and so emotional during her prayers that the priest, Eli, looks at her and thinks she's drunk. He comes and tells her, hey, you shouldn't be drunk in the temple. And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my soul to the Lord. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 10 in her deep anguish hannah prayed to the lord weeping bitterly and she made a vow saying lord almighty if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son then i will give him to the lord for all the days of his life early the next morning they rose and worshiped before the lord and then went back to their home at ramah Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Despite her deep grief and her inability to get pregnant, Hannah sought Lord. She understood that the Lord hears our prayers and she sought his wisdom, his timing. So often we pray and we have to remember that God will answer always our prayers, but in his way, in his timing, in accordance to his will. And so things may not happen the way it happened for Hannah. Things may not happen in the timing you expect. Things may not happen in the way you expect, but make no mistake, God Hears you. He hears you. And every time we get into a place where we're struggling, we must remember He hears us. I have friends who are trying desperately to get pregnant, going through all kinds of infertility processes. The anguish I see my sisters and even their husbands dealing with in their desire to have children. And they pray these bold prayers. And for some of them, that hasn't been answered, some it has. And we don't know, we don't know what God has in mind, but we trust that he hears our cry. So if that's you, if you're one of those women and you've been praying, if you're a man and you've been praying and you're wondering, God, where are you in this? No, he hears you. He hears you. Have you ever talked to someone and it looks like they're listening to you, sort of, because they're like, "Uh uh-huh, huh but they're not really hearing you? Have you ever done that? Where you like? Then you'll say something, and you catch them in the act that they're not listening. My kids used to do this to me all the time. I'd be on the computer working away, and my kids like, "Hey, mom, we want to go to so and so's house." And then I'm going, "Uh huh, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, they would say something that would my hit my brain would kick in, and then I realized, "Hey, wait a minute, what did you say again?" And they go, "I busted you. You weren't hearing. You weren't really listening." And sometimes we think that's God—that He's sort of there, hearing, but not really listening to us. And He does. He listens. Much better than some of us moms do, right? Even we might get distracted. God doesn't get distracted. He doesn't take breaks. He hears you. He hears you. I love that Hannah's name means grace, favor. And the name for her son, Samuel, who later became a prophet, a judge, a powerful man of God, his name means God has heard. God has heard. God hears you. The third way, the third thing we want to remember today is that God loves you. Again, God describes himself in terms of motherhood. This case, Jesus. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 13. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. The picture of a hen gathering her chicks together to protect them, to warm them, to to provide for them. Jesus gives us that picture. That's the God we serve. He loves us. He loves us so much. He gave his one and only son for us. Uh, First John says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, the picture we see of God through mothering is sacrifice, right? Through Jesus, we see sacrifice. Mothering often requires us to sacrifice ourselves for our children. You know, I remember when I grew up and we were very um, poor, when we lived in New York for a short stint and our meals often were Lipton soup and hot dogs. Yeah, they were good, though. Don't worry. I like them. And my mom did her best to provide for all of her children. You can imagine how hard that must be to have seven children with just your own income trying to provide for them. But she was creative. And she lived sacrificially. So one, oftentimes, she would come and take $1 for each of us. And we would ride the train in New York It costs $1 for the day, and we can go back and forth in the train. We could change trains, and we would see all sorts of different towns and cities with $1. So out of her sacrificial love, she exposed us to the city of New York. Now think about that. That's the mother's love. That's the sacrificial love through a mother. You see, God's love for us is sacrificial. He gave it all for us. And another woman I want us to look at now is Eunice. Anybody heard of Eunice? Right. Not a a bunch of you? That's okay. Because Eunice is only mentioned a couple of times in Scripture. Now, we've been on this series, Church Detox, and we've been looking at the book of Acts. And last week, I taught here on Paul who was once a a Jewish leader who was against the believers of Jesus. He was persecuting them, imprisoning them. And on his way to go and get more uh, people to imprison, Jesus shows up to him and he is converted to believing in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so Saul, now becoming Paul, becomes a man who proclaims who Jesus Christ is that all all the world, all the people were created by God to live in perfect community with the Lord. And it was God's intention for us to have peace with him forever. But all of us fall short. All of us rebel. All of us separate from God. All of us start to believe we can do it on our own. And that separation created the evil in the world. And so God would not have it to be left that way. He comes in the person of Jesus And he gives up his life to pay for the sins we have committed. So he dies the death we deserve so we could live the life that he deserves. Paul is going around telling everyone, this Jesus, the one you persecuted, that Jesus rose again on the third day and he came to give us life and life to the fullest. Along his journey, he stops by this town and there he meets Eunice and her mother and he uh, proclaims the gospel to them. The women, Jewish women, become believers. One of them, Eunice, has a son named Timothy. And Timothy, we're told, traveled with Paul, was Paul's uh, disciple. Timothy became a very respected leader at the church in Ephesus and also in other churches with Paul. It would surprise you to know that Timothy co-wrote many of the letters that Paul wrote. This young man was highly influenced by the faith of their mother, his mother Eunice. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 1. To Timothy This is a little parenthesis for you, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. That's in Acts. My dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Here's what I learned about Eunice. We can mess up and still be used by God. God loves us so much, he forgives us, and he still uses us for his purpose. When we repent, when we seek the Lord to change our ways, he forgives us, he's quick to forgive us, and he will use us. Eunice was a Jewish woman who married a Gentile. At that time, that would have been a mixed-race marriage, and it would have been a shameful thing to do. Essentially, Eunice left her faith and her culture, and she marries another culture. And so we see here a woman who, although Jewish and teaches her son the scriptures, was not living in accordance to godly ways. And yet this woman is used by God to have a son who would be used by God in powerful and mighty ways, which as a mom, that's very encouraging to me because I am convinced I've given my children Lots of material to go to counseling for. Anybody with me? My daughter, Kaylee, you just met her earlier. When she was about eight or so, she went to a dance lesson, and she would do these lessons quite often. I don't know what happened to me one day. I completely forgot to pick her up. I go about my business. I think I went food shopping or something and left my kid at the dance place. The poor thing. She totally felt like mom completely abandoned her. I know you're all looking at me and judging me, but I know you've made mistakes too. (laughs) As a mother, I know I have made mistakes, many, many mistakes that have, and bad decisions that have affected my children and maybe even will affect the next generation. And my heart breaks for that. But, you know, I rejoice in the God that forgives. I rejoice in the God that loves us so much that he gave his one and only son so we can have life to the fullest, which means he will still use us in our brokenness and he will still carry his purposes through us. And as moms, we often get overwhelmed with the duty of motherhood. We start, you know, we yell at our kids. We say things we don't mean to say. We we don't do the things we think we ought to do. We feed them the wrong foods, whatever. I mean, I give my kids Oreos and all kinds of really bad food. Thank goodness they eat very healthy now. But God, God kind of reminds us today, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you even when you mess up. And that's the motherly heart of God to constantly remind us that we are loved. And as we come back to this concept of object permanence, I am convinced we forget that God hears us. We forget that God sees us. We forget that God loves us, especially when the circumstances of life get difficult. And I want us I want God to help us like Learn to remember that he never changes ever, even when our circumstances do. So, I want us to look at this video again of this mom playing peekaboo with her little Preston child. And I want you to imagine that you're the child and that the mom is God playing peekaboo with you. I want you to notice how when the baby starts to go away, mommy brings him back. Look at me brings his attention back. And sometimes we run away from God, and God brings us back, doesn't he? And I want you to notice the joy in the baby's heart, the laughter, because when we are seen by God, when we are heard by God, when we are loved by God, we are filled with the most amazing joy. So watch this again, and may God minister to your heart in the process. Hey, Preston. Preston. Piggy, my. Piggy, my. No, you don't like that. Okay, here. Nah. Okay. Okay. Now. Piggy. 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 <laughs> <Peek-a-boo>. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Lovely. will play peekaboo. Yeah. Paul writes in Romans 8:38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation, will you read this part with me, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wants you to know today, I see you. I hear you. I love you. That's his heart Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.